Okay, welcome to Into the Channel, episode one. Just in time for the Women's Champions League group stage. Hello. If you're here to celebrate the Women's Champions League with us, we are thrilled to have you. And if you're asking yourself, where do I know these two jokers from? Well, that would probably be the Tasty Bits pod. If you did take the hop, skip, and the jump into the channel with us, welcome aboard. I am your host, Dino DeCespedes. And for the very first time, because this is the very first episode, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Grant Engel. What is that, man? Buddy, I am extremely psyched to launch this new program with you. We've been kicking around the idea, pun absolutely intended, of a football-only show for a while. And I'm doubly psyched that the first run of shows come just in time before the Women's Champions League, where we get to see the elite players in the world. I think there's a really interesting mix of 16 clubs, and I think we're going to have some incredible clashes over the course of the tournament. But before we get into that... I'm going to need you to explain to me and possibly a large percentage of the audience, uh, in the words of David Byrne, how did we get here? (laughs) Nicely done. So I was texting with you earlier this week. I went on an absolute deep dive to try to figure out just exactly how we get to 16. So I'm going to take it from the top here. 70 teams in the mix representing 47 different European countries. So we'll start there, which includes the big four. England, Germany, France, Spain. Each of those leagues get their champion straight into the group stage. This year, that was Barcelona, Chelsea, Lyon, and Bayern. Now, those 47 national leagues scale all the way down to countries like Moldova, North Macedonia, the Faroe Islands, and Malta. So, I mean, this really kind of runs the gamut. I think that's what makes the tournament so beautiful. Is like there's a lot of representation top to bottom. So we've got the four automatic bids out of the 70, which leaves 66 teams. Of the 66, 44 enter through what's called the champion's path, or how I like to refer to it, the champion's path. (laughs) Yes, let's go. 41 of the 44 teams enter in round one. Three of the 44 enter in round two. So this round is where the champions of the smaller leagues enter, and 11 of these 41 will win two matches to reach the round of 24. Now, the round of 24 is important because those 24 teams get whittled down to the 12 group stage teams that join the four champions. So the round of 24, you're one game away from group stage. Okay, cracking a beer break. This is good. All right, I'm following you so far. I'd imagine everybody else is as well. Let's go. So we know that round of 24 is where we want to get to. 11 of the 41 will win two matches to get to that round of 24, which means three teams enter the champions path, which I mentioned earlier, in round two. And they go straight to the round of 24. This year, that was Slavia Prague, Rosengard from Sweden, and Roma, who are the champions of Italy. And Serie A, Femenil, Femenil. Nailed it. Um, They go straight to the 24. In addition to the champions path, we have the league path, where the remaining 22 teams compete. Now, the league path features teams that did not win their league, but due to the strength of their leagues and the whole coefficient, they get a chance to compete. In the WSL, this year that was Arsenal Manchester United. France was represented by PSG and Paris FC. Spain had Real Madrid and Levante. And Germany had Wolfsburg and Eintracht Frankfurt, in addition to Bayern Munich, right? So that's the league path. The league path's first round brings in 16 teams who need to win twice to reach the round of 24. Arsenal got bounced in this round. The league path, I'll say this, the league path is very tough. Because in the champion's path, you have a lot of small countries with the number one team in a small league in a small country, right? 
but the league path has like some of these big dogs, the second place finisher across pretty much all the major leagues in Europe and for Spain, France, Germany, um, and England and England. Thank you. Um, you got the second and third place team. So you do not want to be stuck in the league path. I think every year we see a lot of really good teams get bounced there. Hopefully that's a pretty good primer. If we think about how the 16 got into the tournament, St. Polten from Austria, Benfica from Portugal, Ajax from the Netherlands, and SK Braun from Norway, they entered through the champion's path round one. They were one of those 41 teams. They won their two matches. They won their round of 24 match. They're in the group stage. The league path round one, Paddy FC and Eintracht Frankfurt, they won their two matches entering that league path, like that kind of more dangerous um, road. And just to kind of, you know, put some names on it, Paris FC, they had to beat Arsenal and Wolfsburg, yeah. you know, to get into the group stage. So no joke there. Now champions path round two, Slavia Prague, Rosengard and Roma only had to win one game round of 24 to then get to the group stage. And they all got to play pretty lowly teams that essentially had survived the champions path round one. So three of those 41 teams. And then that leaves the league path round two, where pretty much the second place teams had to win one match to get in to the group stage. And that's where PSG beat Manchester United, Real Madrid beat Valaranga, and BK Hacken beat Twente from the Dutch league. So second place team in France, second place team in Spain, second place team in Sweden. They come in league path round two. You want to come in in round two. You yeah. only got to win one match from there, and then you're in the group stage. So hopefully that cleared the air a little bit. I know that was a lot to cover. Um, try to kind of set out a clear path of how we go from these 70 teams to the 16 that we're looking at right now. That's great, man. I think that covered it. I think it it really shows that some of the teams that had to navigate their way here fucking battle tested, man. Oh, yeah. I, we'll we'll talk a lot about Perry FC and our Group D. Uh, preview video. I just can't wrap my head around. You mean it, Manchester United lost an important game in a European competition? That's that's weird. I, don't know. I think it was a full moon that day. Not sure. <laughs> no, di- go back no, and check. <laughs> no disrespect to uh, the women on Manchester United. My beef is is with the boys on the other side. But uh, I feel more informed. I think that about covers it. And I appreciate the explanation. So I am ready to talk about the other groups and games whenever you are, my good man. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's get started with group A. So Barcelona Benfica, they're facing off Tuesday, 3pm. Barcelona, absolutely fucking loaded. Seven wins, no losses, no draws. Never lost this so far this year (laughs) uh, in their domestic league. 28 goals for, two goals against. Some very familiar names. (laughs) Alexia (laughs) Puteas, Caldente, Paredes, Salma Parruello, Caroline Graham Hansen, Bon Mati, Lucy Bronze, Fridolina Rolfo, who uh, had the tournament winner last year over Wolfsburg in the final, Onabatie, Kira Walsh, Oshuala, Katakoi. I mean, they're absolutely loaded. So in seven <laughs> matches, <laughs> yeah, like, say, like <laughs> hey, come on, man. their bench is, is probably at worst the third or fourth best team in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> they've gotten goals in their seven matches domestically. They've gotten goals from 11 different players. Ooh. Last year in Liga F, they finished 28-1-1 and one mm. with 118 goals for and 10 goals against, which is just <laughs> absurd. Seems uh, good. Th- pretty good numbers. So far domestically this year, they've yet to play either fellow Spanish Champions League side Real Madrid or Levante, but I'm not sure that matters. By the way, they won the whole fucking tournament last year. So they're going to be a team to watch. 
they take on Benfica from Portugal, who finished first in that league last year, and they sit at top of the table again this year. Five wins, no losses, no draws, 20 goals for, one goal against. They're very scrappy. In four qualification matches, they got 23 goals. (laughs) in those four matches to get them in. Not the toughest road on the way in, but what I love about this side, those 23 goals came from 12 different players. The downside here is they got worked by Barcelona last year in the group stage. So they lost uh, 9-0 in Spain and they lost 6-2 at home. They got roughed up pretty good, but I think we saw them in this year's World Cup. You called it out when we did our World Cup coverage that I think they had seven or eight players from this Benfica side representing in Portugal. Uh, and they had a really, really nice showing, including four who played against the U.S. Carol Costa, Caterina Amado, Jessica Silva, and Kika Nazareth, who scored against Vietnam. They were eliminated last season in the group stage. Unfortunately, they were lumped in alongside Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Tough sledding, a little bit of a break, a little bit more of a break. I think they, they come into this group as probably the second best team in the group. And like I said, these two teams face off Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Very interested to hear what you're looking forward to in this one. I can't wait to watch this one. I think scrappy is a good is a good term to use for just Portuguese football in, in general right now. Yeah, Jessica Silva had a really nice showing in the World Cup. We we kind of watched them a little closely, I think, during this last during this last World Cup. And I'm I'm interested to see how much of that experience is really gonna kind of like help them going into this tournament now. Like this was the, obviously, like we talked about it a lot during the World Cup. That was the most watched World Cup ever. It was the most attended Women's World Cup ever. Now those players have like this real experience to kind of look back on and say, okay, the lights have never been brighter on us before. Yeah, we got killed by Barcelona last Champions League. Let's turn it up and see what we're able to do now. I expect the bus to be firmly parked but I expect an aggressive counterattack uh, from Benfica, similar to the way the Portuguese national team played. Am I confident it's going to work? Not super confident because, I mean, just the level of talent on Barcelona is unreal. But think about all the games during the Women's World Cup that we watched where it was like, this is a mismatch and teams were able to kind of play tight, play counterattacking style. I think we're going to get some of that here. Is it a 2-0 game? Is it a 2-1 game? I think that would be pretty fucking rad if it is. And if it ends up being a 5-0 game, then we can kind of look at it and go, okay, we shouldn't be too surprised if it breaks that way. But either way, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah, and I think um, Benfica last season, just because of the draw, probably total kitchen sink type of you know approach, right? They, yep. they needed to get whatever they can from wherever they could. Coming into this group stage... I think they're probably they're probably expected to advance to the quarters mm-hmm. and it is tough to continually beat a team over and over, especially like when a team like Benfica might be coming in with a chip on their shoulder. So I could definitely see a closer, more hotly contested match between these two. And I think it's kind of probably good for Benfica to get this one out of the way early as yeah. opposed to maybe having a couple good showings and then getting humbled by a Barcelona team. But let's scoot ahead to the next matchup. Rosengard. And apologies in advance if we're butchering any of these pronunciations. We're just a couple dudes trying our best. Mm-hmm. Rosengard is taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. This one's going down Tuesday, 12.45 p.m. Rosengard won the Swedish League last season, but currently they sit seventh in the table this season. They had four players who played in the World Cup. Domestically, they're at 11 wins, nine draws, and five losses. 51 goals for, 32 goals against. So... 
not really crushing it. And they've also played 25 matches already domestically. So I can imagine they could be a little gassed coming into the group stage of the tournament where shit really gets real. Probably just tough to play outdoors in that frigid <laughs> Sweden winter. Uh, so they probably try to get the domestic league out the door pretty early. Yep. They also made the group stage last year, but they were in the same group with Barcelona, Benfica and Bayern. And girl, did they have a tough time. Last year in the group stage, no wins, no draws, six losses, three goals for 20 goals against. So rough sledding for the gang from Rosengard. And I think just getting dropped into the group stage at the tail end of your domestic season, especially against this level of competition, is brutally unforgiving. So we'll see how much they've got left in the tank this year. They take on Eintracht Frankfurt, who finished third in Frauen Bundesliga last year. And they sit fifth currently this year. Three wins, one draw, two losses. So only 10 points from six matches. Goals for, goals against, pretty even. They're only at a plus three goal differential. Their two losses came against seventh place Essen and second place Wolfsburg. And their draw came against Bayern Munich. Laura Freegang has four goals in six matches. Sarah Dursen, one of their key defenders, is also a regular starter on Germany's World Cup team, uh, was a name we recognized. Austrian midfielder Barbara Dunst also has notched three goals so far this year for Frankfurt. Last year, this team was knocked out in the league path competition, losing 2-1 to Ajax. So that just goes to show how tough that league path is. You know, you're playing real teams just to stay alive. So again, huge props to all 16 sides for making it this far. Yeah. I think it's safe to say these two teams, for different reasons, might have a tough time making it out of this group stage. But I do expect this first match to be pretty well contested. Yeah, I agree. I think you raised an excellent point about the Swedish league, one of my favorite league names, the Damelsvenskan. Gotta love that. I mean, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> you, look, you look at the name of the league, the name of the teams in the league, just run to Ikea and buy some furniture. And I think the names are roughly similar in some in some cases. But uh, the point you raised about Donald Svenskin is it's got to be tough at the end of your league campaign to then come into this competition and be competitive. You know, it's not the best setup for that squad, especially if, you know, it's based on the previous season's results. So if you're Rosengard and you're having a rough go of it throughout the whole season, that's like, Okay, I guess now we get to we play in the Champions League. Like <laughs> I do suppose it could cut both ways where it's like, okay, season's over, wipe that now is like the real thing that we want to try to make an impact in, but it's going to be hard to say until we until we see how it plays out. But I'm with you. I think between Frankfurt and Rosengard, both of these teams have to go into this match going get 3 points out of this. And yep. so I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little chippy when they're out there, and I think it should uh, end up being some pretty good football. That's a great point, too. I mean, got to get something out of this match. Three points for either of these teams kind of also changes the tenor of the group stage. You know, I mean, if if this ends up being like a nil-nil or a 1-1 draw, I think we kind of know where this one's headed. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. if one of these teams jump out, get a couple goals early and really kind of suffocate the other side, you know, that really might set them on a path. You know, they might be looking at Benfica and being like, well, all right, well, if we can recreate it we might be onto something here so pretty excited about this one as well what do you say we scoot ahead to group b mm-hmm. very interested to hear your take on these squads so in group b we have a little bit of a similar setup that we have in group a and that is to say there is a fucking flying death machine in this group and that flying death machine goes by the name of leon in that first match leon plays slavia praha Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific, if you're into that kind of thing. A little bit about Lyon. Placed at the confluence of the Sone and Rhone rivers in France, 
they got a lot of good players themselves. So let's go. Let's start with the French players. They have Wendy Renard, Eugenie Lesomer, and Caridatu Diani. Uh, from Norway, they have Ada Hegeberg. From USA, they have Lindsay Horan. From Haiti, they have Melchi Dumornay. And from the Netherlands, they have Daniela Vandedonk. I was watching the Beckham documentary with my wife, uh, and she makes sure to keep me on task so I don't give her too many takes. Uh, obviously, she's not interested in all my sports takes. <laughs> but in the part of the doc where where Beckham goes to Madrid, and they're like, and Madrid already has Ronaldo, Roberto Carlos, Luis Figo, and Zinedine Zidane. She just kind of looks at me. She goes, can you quickly put that into context for me? And I was like, they had the two best players from Brazil, the best player from France, and the best player from Portugal. She was like, all right, enough. Thank you. Explain. <laughs> Press play. And that's how I kind of look at like teams like Lyon and, and Barcelona. Is it's just yeah. like, okay, we're just going to pluck the best players from like the best footballing countries, and that's our squad. In Division 1 Feminine, uh, the French League, uh, Lyon sits at a robust 6-0-0. Zero, zero, never lost, as uh, we like to say. Uh <laughs> With a plus 24 goal differential. This is my favorite part of this. So Paris FC, who we will talk about in our Group D preview, is second in the French League. They sit at 5-0-1. Well, they just played Lyon, and that's where their one loss came from. In a match where Lyon beat them 6-1. to Here is the terrifying part about Lyon. Paris FC didn't even play that poorly. Possession was 50-50 in the match. Mm. <laughs> it was just every chance Lyon had... They were burying it. Whenever anybody gets a chance, if you haven't seen it, Eugenie Lesomer scores a goal that requires such a level of comedic talent almost, where she basically has her back to the goal, plays the ball over her shoulder, and turns around and one-times it into the top of the net. It's just an absolutely ridiculous play, and it happened in the second minute of the match. <laughs> and then just like in the research of this, I was like, oh, yeah, great, perfect. Uh, I get to see Leon play Paris FC. And that's what happens in the first 120 seconds. I was Jeez. like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing here. Leon has won the, won the Women's Champions League eight times in the past uh, 10 or so years. They won the 21 22 Champions League, and they're one of the favorites once again. I won't belabor this. They're really fucking good. The team that they're playing against, Slavia Praha, also known as Slavia Prague. Uh, to some people, I don't know if that's just the English way, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Slavia Praha until announcers tell me otherwise. In their Czech league, they're sitting at 9-0-0 themselves. They, they're big LeVar Ball fans too, apparently. Never lost. So <laughs> they have Marjolin Nikesa, a Kenyan national who led the team with three goals during Champions League qualifying. She had 14 goals in 14 games when Slavia Prague won the league last season to get themselves into the qualifying for this tournament. Their second leading scorer from their championship campaign was Teresa Chevy Echkova, uh, who knocked in 13 goals, but she's more than just like a scorer. She has a good size and strength. She plays like a little bit of a kind of a physical style as a forward and she can just swing passes into the middle with her left foot. And let me just say, as a guy who lives in Seattle, who's looking at the OL reign, who thinks perhaps we might need a left wing upon Megan Rapino's retirement, Chevy Hedgekiba, I think, would be an interesting player to look at. And let me just, I got to shout out these two these two players before, before we move on. Midfielder, Haley K. Stackpole. Uh, she was developed in the North Carolina Courage Academy before she played at Ole Miss. Uh, down south, where she was second team all SEC in her senior year, and she was third in the country with 16 assists in her uh, senior season. So I think it's pretty badass to go from living in Mississippi to living in Prague. 
And of course, last player I'll shout out because you know your boy was going to find an Ohio connection in all of this. Molly McLaughlin, midfielder, is a Xavier grad, a two-time Xavier grad. I believe she has her MBA from Xavier. And so uh, she, they're over there holding it down, U.S. players in Prague. Good head on her shoulders. Damn right. Yeah, it's a good school. <laughs> she obviously is a smart player. So I think this will be – it's going to be tough sledding for Slavia Praha. I won't <laughs> lie. Um, but you know what? I mentioned uh, Shevyashkiva's kind of physical play as a forward. They're going to need to bring a lot of that. I wish them the best against Wendy Renard. Fair. I mean, I think their one um, sort of silver lining is the group does feel pretty open, right? You know, I mean, I think we all know, we all know what time it is, you know, with Leon and like just kind of how stacked they are and their, their track record in big games and big tournaments. But that second spot, I think pretty much up for grabs. This one's going down Tuesday, 3 p.m. What are you expecting in the, the, uh, the next group B matchup? Yes. So Braun uh, from the Norwegian League, which we know, like, basically that Norway has a great women's footballing pedigree. Mm-hmm. Not so bad on the men's side, uh, also. Your man Odegaard, right? He's Norwegian, if I uh, recall correctly. Yeah, yeah uh, so it's, uh, you've got a, a Norwegian. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got a, this, this young kid. He looks like he's going to be all right, I think. So, yeah, we, we have uh, we have Braun versus St. Poulton, 1245 Eastern, 945 Pacific on Tuesday. Interesting kind of place in the schedule for these two teams, too. Braun is currently sitting uh, fourth in the table in the Norwegian League, but they're 11 points clear of fifth, and they're eight points behind third uh, with two matches Mm -hmm. remaining. So the reason I bring that up, I think that's kind of interesting placement, is who gives a shit about the league at that point? Like, we're we're laser-focused on on the Champions League. You might recognize their number one keeper, Aurora Mikkelsen. Uh, She played for the Norwegian national team. You might not likely recognize Merit Bratberg Lund. She only appeared in the World Cup for three minutes, but she has scored 10 goals and notched six assists in the Norwegian League, which is referred to as the top Syrian. And she was an integral part in the squad's uh, previous two finishes at the top of the table, where she put together another uh, a couple good seasons. So she's clearly an important player for them. This squad also has uh, Andrine Hegeberg, who has nine assists in league play this year. And you may have guessed it, but she is the older sister of Ada Hegeberg, who is the all-time leading scorer in the Champions League. Uh, so looking over at St. Poulton, they are the Austrian champs, led by Valentina Madel, who is a native of Austria, and German forward Rita Schumacher. They both scored six goals in the, in the team's campaign this season, and the team is currently there more at the beginning of their season in Austria. St. Poulton is sitting at 7-0 and with a plus 23 goal differential. So they're out there just wrecking squads. They had a pretty eventful group stage in last year's Champions League campaign. You know, in the research for this, I was trying to watch as many like last year of last year's games as I could. Uh, they lost by a combined twelve to two to Wolfsburg. Ouch! In one of the games that I really enjoyed watching. You know, obviously, no, sh- I have no beef with Saint Poulton, but it, I thought it was an enjoyable game. They blew a two nil lead to Roma and ended up losing four three. And then in their next match to Roma, they lost five nil. But then they also beat previously discussed Slavia Prague 1-0 on a game winner that happened at 90 plus one. And also that featured a wild high kick from Jasmine Elder, where she like legitimately sweet chin music, Shawn Michaels style, kicked a woman (laughs) in the skull. 
and this ends in a in a shoving match between the sides. It was it was pretty wild. So eventful group stage last year. They're back in it this year, and I think I know I, I say this about these kind of smaller European sides, but the book is out on these kind of northern European teams where they're going to beat the hell out of you if they if they feel the need to, and I, I I expect that from these two, and I think you're totally right on the second place being up for grabs. So between Slavia Praha, St. Bolton, and Braun, every game between those three teams, they're going to be playing like, this is the one we got to get. Yeah, kind of like must-watch TV when uh, those three face off. And then you have Lyon, who's like, you got to see what they do. Of course. It's going to be pretty exciting stuff here. Let's scoot ahead to Group C. I mean, this group's absolutely fucking loaded. I mean, I, I think Group C and D... We'll get to D later, but you kind of get the feeling that whoever comes out of these two groups is going to come out, I mean, just chiseled and just fucking ready, ready for action, ready for the quarterfinals. I just cannot be more pumped for this tournament. All the prep has got me extremely excited. So I want to start with PSG. They take on Ajax Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. So they got knocked out in the quarters last year by finalist Wolfsburg. They finished second in Division 1. Feminine last year. This year, they're sixth in the table, third if you go by points per match played. They've only played four matches, and they sit currently behind Lyon and Paris FC. So far this season, eight goals for, one goal against. Their only loss this season, I mentioned their 3-0-1, was at home to Lyon, and <laughs> they lost on a, you guessed it, a Lesimer rocket, and they, they weren't able to get on the score sheet. Leading scorers this year for PSG, Tabitha Chawinga, their 27-year-old forward, who got some good looks in that Lyon match. So I think definitely somebody to keep an eye out for. Up front, they also play 23-year-old French forward Sandy Baltimore. Unbelievable name, by the way. Kind of sounds like a Philadelphia gangster. Hell yeah. (laughs) She's PSG's co-leader and goal scorer this season. Some more names we might recognize from the French World Cup squad. Grace Gayoro. Sakina Karshawi, uh, Lika Martins from, I believe, the Netherlands, and Marie Antoinette Katoto, who I think was hurt uh, for most of it, but obviously a huge name. And as mentioned, they take on Ajax, who won the Dutch League last year. They were knocked out of the Champions League last year in the round of 24 uh, by my lady Gunners. So welcome to the party, Ajax. They currently sit second in the domestic league, notching 13 points from five matches so far. 13 goals for three goals against, plus 10 goal differential. They've gotten six goals this year from 22-year-old Rome Lecture, hmm. as well as a goal from 16-year-old American Lily Johannes, who comes oh. from an Eritrean family, uh, an Eritrean football family, uh, and her brother plays for Wake Forest. So yeah, definitely some footballing pedigree. Going to be excited to keep an eye out for Lily in this one. And then the only other name I recognize on this Ajax team, 33-year-old, Sharita Spitze, who was a midfielder who got a lot of run for the Netherlands uh, in this past World Cup. And yeah, this one's going to be interesting. PSG Ajax Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. A lot of big names, recognizable European footballing brands kind of going head to head. But yeah, what are you looking forward to in this one? Yeah, man. Absolutely stacked. The pedigree, I think, is incredible of like all four of these clubs. I mean, Ajax kind of speaks for itself. Ajax has always kind of separated themselves with the youth development program, whether it's men's or women's football. So it's awesome to see that there's a 16-year-old American. I I got to say, I, I missed that. I mean, obviously, this was kind of your group to take. 
but I am excited. I, I hope Lily gets some run and we'll kind of see, you know, how that develops over time. What an incredible opportunity to play in some important matches and against world-class competition. Uh, I mean, Karshawi was, was incredibly important for France. Like you said, you already know what time it is with Marie Antoinette Katoto. I mean, she was just one of their dominant players for years. So, I mean, this is just, I, I realize we're saying this a lot about how we're psyched about a lot of these matches. This is a, just a must watch PSG Ajax. Come on. What the fuck are we talking about? hundred percent. And the, the other half of this group, how about a little Bayern Munich taking on Roma wow. <laughs> Wednesday, 1245 uh, PM Eastern here. So let's start with Bayern Munich. They won the Frauen Bundesliga last year, and they sit at the top of the table again this year, two draws in the season though, out of six matches. So not unbeatable. Bayern found the draw with eighth place SC Freiburg as well as fellow Champions League side Eintracht Frankfurt. They won their other four matches this season to get them to 4-2-0. and oh. mm. 11 goals for, three goals against on the year. Their goals are pretty well distributed this season. In six matches, they've gotten two goals apiece from Leah Shula, Linda Dalman, Pernille Harder, Giovanna Damjanovic. Pretty spread offensive attack for Bayern. Last year, they were eliminated in the quarters by Arsenal. And their roster, also pretty loaded. Clara Bull, who you re- you recognize, Tuva Hansen, Georgia Stanway from, from your squad, and right. Samantha, don't call me Sam Kerr <laughs> from Scotland. I was going to say, this is the Scottish Samantha Kerr, right? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. They're taking on Roma. So Roma won Serie A Feminine last year, and they're still atop the Serie A Feminine table again this year. 6 0 0, 23 goals, 4 4 against. Last year, they were eliminated in the quarters by Barcelona, and they're also fucking stacked. So, some names we'll recognize. How about Japanese national team captain Saki Kumagai, uh, yeah. defender and fellow Japanese international Moeka Minami? I also love Roma's two forwards. Um, I think they're definitely two players to watch. That's Canadian uh, Eveline Viennes. And Atacante Italiana Valentina Giacinti, who you might remember from this most recent World Cup, where she started in two of Italy's three World Cup matches. Um, she's the forward with the short hair, who's very scrappy, very physical, um, and just always kind of in the mix. I don't think she really got to kind of show out in the World Cup, uh, but domestically, she's pretty filthy. I mean, this group, I really can't say enough about it. It feels like every combination of these four te- of these four teams is going to be like a must watch, and I have no idea who comes out of this group. Different styles, different countries. It's going to be really fucking exciting. Tell me what you're thinking, Bayern Munich, Roma. What are you going to be looking out for in this one? Yeah, so you're going to be surprised to learn that I am really excited to watch Georgia Stanway play in this tournament. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, come on, man. Like, I, you know, she's going to do her thing. She's going to control the midfield. She's going to be like your defensive holding midfielder who's able to kind of set the tone. What more can you ask for with, with teams of this pedigree? Like, and think about like kind of your, your defensive backing for Roma, not surprising for an Italian side. And then obviously Stanway for Germany, but you have Kumagai and Stanway in here and they're going to be opposite sides of the field from each other. It's unlikely that they're probably going to get a lot of like time to clash, but I could just see them kind of like as two generals looking across each other like, I know what you're doing yeah. over there. I see you over there. And so you're true. right. This whole group, like we talked about like Roma at Bayern, PSG at Ajax, like we're going to get a Bayern PSG game. 
we're gonna get an yeah. I, we're gonna get an Ajax Roma game. Like this is fantastic. So you're right. I mean, just totally loaded with really smart footballers who like I like we talked a lot about Japan and uh, Kuma guys uh, pedigree there. So what's not to love about about this whole group? Full transparency. This past World Cup was definitely my first deep dive into the women's game, and it makes perfect sense that Georgia Stanway plays for Bayern, mm. you know, just thinking about <laughs> kind of her stuff, you know, and it's so funny to see the different nations represented on the different teams and seeing where people essentially landed and decided that they want to play. Yep. You know, you have like Caroline Graham Hansen and Barcelona and like Danielle Vandedonk, like, you know, where, where she's at Lyon and you're just like, oh yeah, that's perfect. Like, so <laughs> right. um, it's going to be really awesome watching these players that I really kind of became fascinated with in this past World Cup play at the absolute highest level for their domestic sides, playing a different style. Lucy Bronze in Barcelona, like she obviously, they, they play Spain in the finals, England. And um, the cross-pollination makes it an extra level of, of exciting for me as you know, somewhat of a newcomer to the women's game. So super duper pumped for every permutation of these Group C matchups. Let's scoot ahead. Group D, I'll just clear out for you here. Well, in our other uh, sports podcast for a, we like to bust the chops as Chelsea Football Club quite often. Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of space to do that in the women's game. They absolutely have their shit together. Let's start from the top. Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Come on. <laughs> Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Chelsea has been the most dominant team in the, in, uh, the women's Super League in England for a decade. They're led by Emma Hayes who has obviously been in the news quite a bit lately here in these United States, as she has reportedly accepted the U.S. Women's National Team uh, manager gig and is set to take over after this season. I guess the resume is uh, impressive for the Blues. Six WSL titles, including the last four consecutive, five FA Cups and two League Cups. But you will notice there was one trophy I did not mention in there. Uh, So I'll be interested to see. I believe the final for the Women's Champions League is like near the end of May. And I think that like kind of coincides with when Emma Hayes is reportedly set to take over the U.S. Women's National Team. I am very interested to see how that's going to look. But let's talk about the players. Hmm. Captain Millie Bright. Then we have superstar Lauren James. Another superstar, Fran Kirby, who did not appear in the (laughs) World Cup, but is an absolutely fantastic player. Another forward, uh, the other Sam Kerr, you might be familiar with, uh, also known as Australian Sam Kerr. Pretty good player in her own right, I would say. Then they have uh, Zakira Musevic, who U.S. Women's National Team fans will remember as the mm-hmm. Swedish goalkeeper who terrorized them for uh, 120 yeah, minutes. Yep. Good way to put it. Uh, then you have Johanna Kainert, from, also from Sweden, and then Girl Reiten from Norway. So again... We're just picking, I mean, obviously you have a wealth of talent over there in England, but we're just plucking some of the greatest players from from some of the other yeah. most like prominent women's footballing nations uh, that you have out there. So getting to like Chelsea's run of form right now, no surprise, they're sitting atop the WSL table, but I will just say, quick digression, they're only three points clear of Manchester City Football Club, and City was absolutely jobbed by the refs in the last game. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> the refs missed a clear foul in the 82nd minute against Bunny Shaw. 
Your girls at Arsenal, there was an, a clear foul when they pushed Bunny Show on the back. I digress. I don't like to blame the refs for a loss. We could have won the match anyway. Either way, I, I didn't love it. But Chelsea is sitting atop. I think that Chelsea is clearly, they're going to gun for at least a double uh, in Emma Hayes' final season with the club. And if we want to talk about their last result, uh, at least at the time of this podcast recording, and they absolutely battered Aston Villa 6-0. They're sitting at 4-1-0. and zero. And they have an expected goal differential of plus 11.9. So <sighs> turns out when you have a lot of world-class players, you're tough to beat. Yeah, 100%. Surprising. No mention of the shoddy goalkeeping in that City-Arsenal matchup. We'll talk about that later. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm a little bit conflicted. I mean, I love this Chelsea side. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, everything from Lauren James, Millie Bright, Frank Kirby, Canarud, the Sam Kerr, Musevich. I mean, like... These were superstars of the World Cup, minus Kirby. But obviously, like, you know, I, uh, Chelsea is like the team that I probably dislike the most on the men's side. Right. But, you know, I, I watched that Villa match and I was just like, I'm into it. They're good. Man. I'm not sure what it means to, like, as a, as a sports fan or if I just need to be maybe covering this in a more professional fashion. But I'm kind of pulling for this Chelsea side, I think. Looking at all 16, I haven't quite made my ultimate picks yet, but um, I think emotionally, I think Chelsea's sitting at, at the top of my table at the moment. You may be the first Arsenal fan in the history of the world <laughs> to say the words, I'm pulling for this Chelsea side. Maybe there was a situation where they needed Chelsea to win to like seal something, but that is an interesting dichotomy. But I'm with you. I think as Americans, like I don't watch... Like I said earlier, I don't have a beef with Manchester United uh, on the women's side. Now, I, do I like to laugh when they lose? I think I'm not going to lose that. But, you know, it's. I think as Americans, we have that luxury. Do we like the players? Do we like the manager? Do we like the kind of way they play? I think we can do that. I don't have to be straight down the line. Although perhaps I let my sky blue bias show a little bit when I started yelling that we were jobbed. And yeah, the goalkeeping, <laughs> m- mistakes were made at the end of that game. It's all right, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Well, we don't have to get into that um but as i mentioned up top chelsea is playing real madrid in their first match mm. and as dino covered in the group a preview check it out on youtube or wherever you consume your podcasts the world champion spanish national team is basically the barcelona roster with a couple little bit mm. of uh, las blancas sprinkled in there goalkeeper misa rodriguez your two captains of this of the World Cup winning Spanish side, uh, defender Ivana Andres, defender Olga Carmona, and then of course star midfielder Teresa Abellera, all were crucial to the title run. Totally, yeah, especially that uh, the final. It's just whatever. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I just can't. I can't get it out of my head. But I digress again. But outside of those Spanish players, Real also boasts the absolute dynamite talent, Colombian. Linda Caicedo, who made a huge splash, gigantic splash on every highlight show and on social media with her absolute stunner against Germany in the group stage. But they also have Sandy Toledi, who logged more than 300 minutes uh, playing for France. If you look at Real Madrid in a vacuum and their form in the young Liga F season, you might think that they're a bit of a flying death machine themselves. They are 6-0-1. They have a plus 11 goal differential. And they have a plus 9.2 expected goal differential. But they are sitting in a distant second place behind Barcelona in terms of goal differential, where, as you mentioned in Group A, like I said, Barcelona's goal differential plus 26. 
to Real Madrid's <laughs> plus 11. It is safe to say it will take a gargantuan lift for them to dethrone Barcelona, uh, who obviously won the double last year when they won the league and won the Champions League. But I will just say, imagine looking a Real Madrid fan in the face and be like, I just don't think you have a chance against Barcelona. I don't think that goes over great with that, with that fan base. I think they're going to say, we're going to do it. This is the time we're going to do it. So for the purposes of looking at Real's current form, uh, if you count the last couple of uh, qualifying matches, they're sitting at 8-0-1, and one, and they got to like their chances. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a good observation to look at that Liga F table, just because much less likely they're going <laughs> to be able to take that title in the marathon that is the season. We mentioned Barca 28-1-1 last year. So if they get anywhere near that, I mean, it, it's a wrap. But Champions League is a different beast. You know, if you make it to the quarters and some things break your way, upsets happen, much more likely just to brush off a little bit of our Tasty Bets pod, part of the brain, I would bet that Rail's odds are much better to win Champions League than they are to win domestically. So they got to be thinking kind of the same thing here. This group also pretty tough. And, you know, they get that tough first matchup here against Chelsea. But I think they got to be feeling pretty good about being able to make it out of this group. But either way, this, I mean, matchups <laughs> don't get much tastier than this this first one uh, in Group D. Chelsea versus Real Madrid. You mentioned it Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. This one might get the big screen on my end. For sure. I don't, I don't blame you. And I will say, you know, I often joke about the benefits of being a West Coast sports fan. Uh, <laughs> not for these tricky European games. Fair. So I, I got to say, it is pretty sweet for you that you got these three o'clock games. You know, you, you plow through your work. You get stuff done early. It's easier to, to flip on the match at 3 p.m. Uh, for me, a little tougher on the West Coast uh, to turn turn on a football match at noon. I got to make sure I'm doing my job and make sure I'm doing the best I can for the folks I work with. So, but let's keep it moving. You'll find a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll plow through. You know, it's a tough life, but uh, you know, I'll make it. I'll make it happen. Um, <laughs> it's group stage time, man. Get pull it together. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's get to the fucking hipster matchup because I feel like that's kind of what we're looking at here. Is that this is going to be a, a fucking banger of a football game? Paris FC versus BK Hacken of the Swedish league, Damel Svenskin, as we as we've learned in another episode. Paris FC, the giant killers, as I have come to know them, as I've gone through the research here, they knocked out both, my apologies to you, your lady Gunners, uh, Arsenal, and Wolfsburg on their path to get here. Arsenal won the Champions League in 2007. They are a staple of this tournament, and Wolfsburg are two-time Champions League winners. So for them to knock both of those teams out on their path, I don't think a lot of people had that, but they made it happen. And I don't think a lot of people had it because there's not a ton of big names on this team. They do have defender uh, Clara Mateo, who appeared in two matches for France during the World Cup. And then I think a lot of folks will likely remember goalkeeper Shamika Inadozi, uh, who put in some really nice performances for Nigeria uh, this past World Cup. But this team is fucking good, man. I mentioned in our Group B preview that uh, Perry FC, the, in their most recent match at, at the time of this recording, suffered a 6-1 loss to Lyon. But I maintain, I will die on the hill. They didn't play that poorly. It's just that Lyon is a flying death machine. Before that match was played, Perry FC had a plus 12 goal differential in league play. And now it's my turn to plow through this pronunciation. But let me see if I can make sure this is right. Up, I think it's uh, Jetain Thine. 
she has five goals and an assist on the young season. Luis Fleury, Julie DeFore, and Luna Ribadera all have three goals apiece. So they're kind of spreading out the offense as well. Yeah. I mean, they just play like this kind of varied, a little bit of possession, but they will they love to do that move where they they run into space and then they'll pass back and they'll just kind of like mm-hmm. move you down the field and then go for the attack right from there. So I, they play a really entertaining brand of football. Like I said, uh, you know, they have the one loss to Lyon, but they're sitting at 5-0 and 1. And I think there is a world where that loss, that big loss to Lyon, kind of helps them look at each other. I always think about, you're going to be amazed by this, I'm going to make a Cavaliers comparison. When the Cavs would play the Warriors, the indestructible Warriors, it always felt like there was one game where they had to like get up to the speed of the Warriors and be like, okay, we're not playing Detroit on a Wednesday night. <laughs> like We're playing the big team now. I think there's a world where Perry FC kind of looks at that game and goes, okay, okay, this is the level that we're going to try to get up to for the for this tournament. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So like I mentioned, uh, Paris FC, they're taking on BK Hacken from Donald Svensk in the Swedish League. Uh, they're led by their captains, uh, defender Josephine Rybrink and midfielder Philippa Kermark. They also feature a few Swedish internationals from the past World Cup, including 30-year-old Elin Rubinson, who knocked in a goal uh, in the Swedes' win over Argentina, and she also converted a penalty kick against USA in the round of 16. Mm-hmm. Hacken's number one goalkeeper is Jennifer Falk. She played in one match in the World Cup, which is also the Argentina match, but she obviously mostly sat behind Musevic. Hacken is in a little bit of a weird spot because they are currently level on points in Damos Fenskin with their rival Hammerby, but they're three behind in goal differential, and they just suffered a kind of devastating defeat to Hammerby right on November 5th. So it's it almost feels like the league just kind of slipped out of their grasp in these last couple matches. There's one match remaining in the season. Hammerby is facing the team currently ninth in the table. That's Norkaping. Surely I'm butchering these names. Like I'm, again, I'm ordering <laughs> Ikea furniture here, but what can we do? And Hacken is facing fourth slotted Patea. They'll finish second this year and they're in the Champions League. I think it's it's time for them to, to have a go at it. But you got to wonder about kind of like how tired they might be. But I think that from the brand of football that both of these teams play, very similar to Group C, you're going to have Paris FC versus Real Madrid. You're going to have Hacken versus Chelsea. I think you're going to get a lot of games where maybe Chelsea and Real have to grind these games out way more than than people might expect. So I think whatever matchup we're going to get, I think is going to be great Like throughout the play in this group, like we, like we mentioned with Group C. But Paris FC, Hacken, Wednesday, 12.45 p.m. Eastern, 9.45 Pacific. I think we're going to be in for a scrappy match with a lot of skill too. I don't I don't think these these teams are going to be necessarily overly physical. I think we're going to see a lot a lot of great passing as well. We talked about this I think with group A where I think both these teams are going to be really hungry for the three points yep. in this matchup because for different reasons I feel like each of these teams maybe ha- a little bit higher expectations. I'd be less surprised if one of these two sneaks into the quarters yep. just because of the form that they're in or the situation that they're in uh, with regard to like a team like Hacken. So yeah, all in all, top to bottom, I think we're in for a pretty wild ride this Champions League. 16 pretty awesome teams with interesting players from star power to kind of like underdogs, young players to super experienced players. Like this is everything that Champions League football should be. 
And even with that little backstory of squads like Wolfsburg or United or Arsenal not being in it, I think it gives us the opportunity to find some new players in some new squads who will be key players in future Champions Leagues and future World Cups. So, I mean, I just could not be more jazzed about this whole thing. All right, man. Champions League preview. I think we did it. That'll do it for this episode. But be sure to follow and subscribe into the channel. We broke down the qualification process. We dove heavy into all four groups, how we got here, what we expect to see in these group stage matches, and hopefully provided a valuable look ahead with regards to what we expect from this year's tournament and this week's games. Big thanks to my co-host, Mr. Grant Engel. We are about to embark on quite the journey, my friend. I know you and I will be locked in, and here's to hoping our audience will be locked in right along there with us every step of the way. Yeah, man, I think we're just in for an absolute banger of a tournament. I'm just excited to watch, and I will see you next week to recap some of these amazing games. Hell yeah. Super glad to be doing this with you. Episode one in the books. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Looking forward to the journey. Enjoy the football. 